Welcome to Gateway Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Gateway Church Doncaster in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information about Gateway Church, please visit our website, gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk. Thank you for listening. I don't think it's any coincidence that during our worship this morning, God has been talking to us about the heart of the gospel, really. If you look back over the songs that we've sung, if you look at the contributions that have come, what you see is the heart of the gospel and the benefits of being in Christ. And this morning, we're concluding our series looking at the advice that Paul gave in his letter to this young church in Colossae. Because next week we're having our Christmas carol service, and then in the new year we're starting a new series. So recently we've been looking at this advice, and Paul's been giving it with regard to our conduct in various different types of situations. Firstly, he gave advice on how our relationships should be together with one another within the church. And then he turned his attention to bringing harmony to family life. Now, that's no mean feat, as anyone with a family knows. And then last week, as Martin preached, we saw how Paul looked at how our relationships should work as we bring our employment under the rule and the reign of Christ. And now Paul turns his attention elsewhere. In fact, he goes even wider. He starts to look outward. And he starts to suggest how we should be in relation to those who are outside of the church. This is what it says. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison. But I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Conduct yourself wisely towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Now those of you who have been managing to get along to our monthly powerhouse meetings over the past few months will know that we've been benefiting from hearing from Steve Hurd who leads the church plant in Huddersfield. Because over the past couple of months, he's been over and encouraged us and helped us, particularly on the subject of evangelism. Reaching out to those who are outside of our church community. 
And so this is somewhat of a timely message that we now look at what Paul has to say on the subject. And what you'll find is quite interesting is Paul's advice is very similar to what we've been looking at in those powerhouse meetings. If we start by taking an overview of the passage, we can see that Paul splits his advice into two parts. Pray. His first advice is pray. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And then that advice is followed by action. Conduct yourself wisely towards outsiders. Now I think that advice is a good starting point for anything we do. Pray first, then act wisely. That always should be the way we seek to approach things. Praying and acting with godly wisdom. And we have to bear in mind, godly wisdom can bear no resemblance to the wisdom that we see in the world at times. But prayer should be our lifestyle, it should be our starting point. It should be something we carry with us throughout each day. And I think Paul chose his words quite carefully. Continue steadfastly. They're words that talk about a continuing action, not a one-off event. That we should be continually praying for those around us, for our families, for our friends, for our work colleagues and the other people we meet. And that is a common theme throughout scripture. Jesus told his followers a story. He said... In a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterwards he said to himself, Although I neither fear God nor respect man, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she won't beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. Will not God give justice to his elect, who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. He was looking at a different issue. But what Jesus was teaching them was to be persistent in prayer. Not to give up praying when they didn't see that instant result. But to keep at it. To busy themselves with it like a task in hand. Just like that energetic little widow did. She gave that local magistrate no rest. And then Paul told them to be watchful. He didn't want them just to be praying, but expecting to see results. Looking for them. Taking encouragement as they see them. Those little changes in people's attitudes. 
those unusual times of openness towards God that show that your prayers are being answered and that things are changing. Because actually, don't we know that prayer changes things? If you're not sure, ask David about his leg. Has it changed something? Then we should take encouragement in that. Prayer changes things. And as we see those results, the results of our prayers being answered, what we're meant to do is then bring that back to God with thanksgiving. Recognising that it's Him. He has brought about that change as a result of our requests. This is what Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for us. Paul was a fervent believer in the power of prayer. It's one of the themes we see time and time again in his letters. He doesn't miss any opportunity to ask the church to pray, and in particular, to ask them to pray for him. Here he is, imprisoned because of his bold declarations about Jesus. And what he does is he makes an impassioned plea. Why? Because his imprisonment is getting in the way of his mission. His mission to spread the good news about Jesus. He says, at the same time, pray also for us, that God might open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. You notice, Paul doesn't actually ask for his freedom. That's not what he's asking them to pray for. Rather, he wants doors opened, opportunities to arise for him to preach the gospel. And that's the very reason he's in prison. What it shows us is Paul is no stranger to spreading the news about Jesus. When we read through Acts, everywhere he travelled, he preached that. He preached Jesus. And as he did so, what he saw was new churches springing up around him. And those people who spent any time with him seemed to turn out the same. Right at the very start of this series, we saw that the church in Colossae was started because of one young man, Epaphras, who had spent time with Paul, learning from him. Probably when he was holding his lectures at the Hall of Tyrannus, in Ephesus. So Paul wasn't only a serial church planter, but he raised disciples who had church planting in their genes as well. So when he gives advice on seeing people saved and added to the church, we ought to listen. We didn't ought to disregard it lightly. So here we have his advice. There's four elements to it. And then there's a promise. 
He says, conduct yourselves wisely. Make the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious. And season it with salt. And then there's the promise that you will know how you ought to answer each person. I think I know exactly the type of thing he's got in mind. And you know, I found a video of it. Do you want to see it? Um, Joel, could you just turn the lights off for a minute? Reminds me of that book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. But don't you reckon that's exactly what Paul had in mind? Conduct yourself wisely, make the best use of the time, let your speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt. Well, perhaps not. Now, Paul's advice to Christians isn't along the lines we might expect today. It is so different from the type of sales talk that we hear in today's commercial world. Because it isn't about performance, it's not about having confidence, it isn't even about having better techniques with which to approach people. Instead he turns the problem right round so that these Christians can see their responsibilities 
in a much more promising life. Their privilege, to put it simply, is to answer everyone. That's to say that they're given the opportunity to respond to the questions of the people they talk to rather than necessarily trying to initiate or trying too hard with conversations on leading topics. They're to try and recognise and then act on the opportunities that arise rather than artificially try and make them. But that isn't being defeatist. Because Paul evidently believes that opportunities to respond and to explain the gospel will be found everywhere. Because at the end of the day, everyone is trying to discover answers to those questions about life and its meaning. And that's especially true in our current culture. Spirituality is a huge topic of conversation. And Paul just says, we should be ready to take up those frequent opportunities. Now he recognises that the starting point for any meaningful conversation has to be based on credibility. And that's something we need to be aware of. That the conduct of our lives tells others a huge amount about what is going on inside. We can't claim to be a people of faith and then be blown around with worry or despair over whatever is going on in the world around us. Because we're either living under the assurance of a faithful father or we're not. We might not understand everything that we see going on. But we can remain steady in our trust. Jesus realised that people were watching his disciples. Because he said this to them. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. Just as I have loved you. By this people will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. He knew that if his disciples took that command seriously, they would stand out from the crowd. In fact, they would stand out from the rest of the world and people would notice. But he knew that you couldn't with integrity preach a message of God's love and then fail to demonstrate it yourself. And so in the same way, lying, cheating, gossiping and all those types of behaviours only seek to undermine our message. So Paul's advice is simple and it's wise. He says, be careful how you behave around other people. And then... As they start to notice the difference, make the best use of our time. We all know that when we're talking to people, we only have a certain amount of time. And there's always so much to talk about, isn't there? It's easy to get distracted and to overlook the questions that people ask us. 
What sort of answer would you give when you're asked one of these questions? However did you cope? How were you able to forgive them? Why is it that you are always so positive? What makes you so cheerful? Do we play them down? Do we give an answer that says, well actually I've got quite a high stress threshold. I just seem to be lucky in that way. Do we put it down to our sense of humour? Or do we just avoid answering it and move on? Peter, when he wrote his first letter, encouraged us, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. When someone asks us the reason for our hope, Peter says, tell them. Tell them that our hope rests in Jesus. It rests upon his shoulders as he hung and as he died on the cross so that we might be reconciled to God. But more importantly, that our hope rests with him in his resurrection and in the promises of a life to come. Billy Graham, in one of his books, uh, writes of a story when he was visiting a new town. He had some letters as he drove into the town. He had some letters with him that he needed to post. And not knowing his way around, he uh, pulled up and asked a young lad who was passing by where the local post office was. The young lad gave him some directions. And before he drove off, he invited this young lad to come to the local Baptist church that evening as he would be explaining how to get to heaven. The young lad replied, No thanks. You had to ask for directions to the post office. How do you expect me to believe you know the way to heaven? We have to be careful that our answers to such questions Build people's confidence in Christ, not take it away. Paul's suggestion is that we speak graciously. We might hold strong views about our faith, about our theology, or about our doctrine. But Paul here appeals to us to be gracious. He doesn't want us to be argumentative or too quick to judge. Whilst always presenting the truth, conversations over our eschatology can wait until later. But Paul knows that gracious words alone can come across as a bit dull, a bit bland, a bit insipid. So he asks us, to apply a little bit of seasoning. He wants our answers to compel interest, to demand attention. 
they should add something just like condiments do to food and I'm sure we all know when someone's forgotten to salt the potatoes why are salty snacks put on bars because once you've had one you feel the need to go back for another there's something addictive about salt in the right quantity And before you know it, you've eaten the whole dish. It's difficult to resist. Salt also makes you want to drink. They develop a thirst in you. So that you need to buy another drink. And that's how Paul says our conversation should be. Salty enough that people are left wanting to know more. But not so salty that it becomes unpalatable. Little bits of salt in our conversations encourage people to come back and ask more questions. They develop a spiritual thirst. And sooner or later, they need a drink. Jesus knew this. Now salt was a precious commodity in his time. Some people were actually paid in salt as their wages. And he said to his disciples, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. We've got to remain salty, to retain our distinctive saltiness because otherwise we become worthless and then there's that promise, the promise is that as we do these things the answers will come we need to concentrate on conducting ourselves wisely making the best use of our time, letting our speech be gracious and seasoned with salt and then we can trust God to do the rest to give us the words and the answers to give us what we need to promote his son Jesus it seems that according to Paul there is never a time when our responsibilities to those who are outside of the church can be forgotten. We should be praying that opportunities for the gospel to be preached to them will be given to us. And then we must gladly take those opportunities, however difficult our circumstances. We need to use the fleeting moments that people give us to make that Christian response and always however far off in understanding the questioner might be we must seek the wisdom and the grace to answer them with words that will foster their appetite and build their understanding Paul concludes his advice on the Christian life with his section on reaching out.
Why he chose to put it last, we'll never know. But perhaps it's because, unless we get the other areas of our life in order, our Christian testimony is undermined. His advice is timeless. It has every bit as much application today as when he wrote it. We need to be wise. We need to use our time wisely. We need to be gracious and season our conversations with salt. I'd like us to sing that last song again, if we may. And uh, I just think, just as we sing that, we need to just reach out to God. The prophetic words this morning were pointing to the need we have for the Holy Spirit. As we reach out, it's actually Him that makes a change in people's lives. We can introduce people. We can help them understand what they really need is to come face to face with their Saviour and to experience the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to visit gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk 